Father, thank you for your word this morning and thank you for the Holy Spirit who is loving on us in marvelous ways today. Holy Spirit, teach us. We know more than we think we do. Teach us and show us from within. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to continue sharing on the centrality of Jesus, keeping Jesus the main thing. This is our 15th session on this topic. So I hope you're figuring out that centering on Jesus is somewhat important around here. Uh, we're laying him as the foundation of our personal lives, our public lives, our private lives, our family life, our homes, marriages if you're married, our church and our relationships beyond the church. Uh, and we're laying him as foundation by knowing his person and then also knowing his work. We've been looking at that. So here's the works of Jesus we've covered so far. He came to reintroduce the kingdom of God to us. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to initiate the new covenant. He came not to judge, but for judgment, a distinction to be made. And then verse, uh, sorry, the number five, to make disciples who abide in him. Everybody say abide in him. So we're talking about here is intimacy and union, like a branch lives connected uh, to the vine. All the trees are starting to sprout their leaves and, and fruit and stuff, and it's really cool, right? Anybody walk past a tree and hear it grunting lately? Come on! Push out these leaves. Why, why is there fruit? Why is there leaves coming off the branches? They abide. They are living connected to their source. Jesus makes disciples who live connected to Jesus, not religion. We are not religious people. We live connected to the living vine. Jesus called himself the true vine. If he is indeed the true vine, that means there's false vines. So be careful. Things and maybe even people that you're trying to derive life from that you cannot derive life from. He is the true vine who made you for himself. So we live in intimacy. We walk in union. We got a love relationship with him. And these disciples, out of abiding and continuing in our connection, we end up looking more like him. We walk in his ways. When people see us, they see him. We get transformed to his very own likeness by the Spirit. Second Corinthians 3.18 says, and then also, while continuing to what? Live connected. It's not like, oh, I live connected and then I graduated to starting to look like Jesus. You cannot look like him if you're not receiving from him. So it continues in walking his ways. And then when you partner with him to work his works, you're still abiding. You're still connected. Amen, somebody. We are yielded to him. We live connected to him. First Corinthians chapter one, verse nine, amplified classic. God is faithful. He's reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise. He can be depended on. By him, you were called into companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Wow. Everybody say, I'm called. So you've been called into companionship and partnership. We know from the Greek, the word here is koinonia. You've been invited to share in the very life of Jesus Christ. And what a privilege this is. How many of you count it as a privilege that Jesus would die for you? That's a privilege. How many of you count it a privilege that he would shed his own pure blood for you? That's a privilege. How about this privilege? Uh, that he saved you. That's a privilege that he did. It's not you yourself. He saved you. You consented. But he did the saving. Amen. 
That's why you're secure in it. Because you consented, but what happened inside of you, he did. He can make a child of God. I count it the same privilege that he's invited you to walk with him. I count it the very same privilege that he's invited you to walk with him, talk with him, uh, be his companion, his friend, John 15, partner with him, walk with him, talk with him every day, share in his life. If you miss intimacy with Jesus, you missed Christianity and you got something else. Jesus never apologized either for saying things like life in his father's kingdom is a pearl of great price where this guy went and sold all that he had that he could get the pearl and then the treasure in the field, right? He sold everything he had that he could buy that field. And Jesus would invite people to follow him and be his companion and walk with him and learn from him. And one guy said, well, I need to go bury my father. He said, let the dead bury the dead. You go preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus did not apologize for the expectation he had upon those that would walk with him that he was worth everything, that there wasn't anything in the world that the world could offer that was more valuable to him. We talked a lot about that last week. So let me give you some some words, some scripture about companionship and union and intimacy. Colossians 1.27 to them, and what he's talking about here is the saints. So he's talking about you. To the saints... God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ where? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach. Don't miss it. Him we preach. Warning every man, teaching every man, literally instructing every man. In all wisdom that we may present every man perfect, that was mature in Christ Jesus. To this end, I labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. He's talking about the dunamis power of Christ at work inside of him. Yeah, I'm working, but it's really not me. It's the power of Christ that's working in and through me. Galatians 1.15, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son, where? In me, that I might preach him, him, preach him. Think of the Western church. Think of all the things that are taught and proclaimed and declared. And yet Paul's saying, this is why the Lord set me apart, that I might preach Christ among the Gentiles. And I didn't immediately confer with flesh and blood. But notice in verse 16, it doesn't just say to reveal His Son to me. He wants to reveal His Son in you. That when people see you, they see Him. When people hear you, they hear His expression. They hear His voice. Amen. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. If you're not even alive anymore, how are you so easily offended? Isn't that a great question? Lord, if I'm not even alive anymore, but Christ lives in me and as me and through me, why am I so quick-tempered? And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. 1 Corinthians 6.17, Whoever is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. Wow, isn't that powerful, church? I love that. 
until you know that you're actually joined to Jesus Christ and in union with Him, and that this is an unbreakable union, until you really comprehend it, you will consciously or subconsciously work towards that union. There is nothing to work for, only that which to work from. Is there work to be done? Have you watched the news lately? I encourage you not to. <laughs> I encourage you not to watch it because like I say, the world's going to world. But does the world need, need Jesus? Does America need the living Christ? Do they need more religion? Powerless? Angry? I don't even know what else to say about religion. But we need the living Christ. And until you know that He's in you and that you're absolutely in union with Him all day, every day. You mean even if I do something really dumb? That's right. Even when you do something dumb, He's right there witnessing the whole thing. And He doesn't leap out of your body and run away scared of your mistakes. Jesus believed that light is greater than darkness. The Pharisees believed just the opposite. So if a leper came by, they made him cry out unclean. They passed all kinds of rules to protect their holiness because that darkness might defile them. Jesus shows up. He's healing lepers by touching them because he knows that light is greater than darkness. He does not fear darkness. And he does not fear any darkness in your heart. He does not fear anything he might find in your heart. I promise you. And if you'll let him in, he'll touch it redemptively. He'll touch it redemptively. And He'll work it for your good. And He'll say to you, You know what, Christy? You don't belong to your past. Your past belongs to me. And I'll use it. When it becomes usable, you, you, there's no more sting of embarrassment anymore. Because now it belongs to my Father and His purposes. But until we know we're joined with Him, we'll work for that union. Until you know you're joined to Him, you'll work for Him to bless you. Instead of realizing you're already blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. The blessed one is in you. The one and only obedient son is in you. You don't need to work for favor. You work from favor. You don't need to work for blessing. You work from blessing. Come on, somebody. We were singing about revival last week. It was a good song. But I was reminded that we don't need... A revival per se, we just need revive to the one that's in us. We need to be reawakened to who's actually on the inside of us. The light and salt is already here. It's already within us. And Jesus is everything. I'm 50 years old. That's what I've learned so far. (laughs) Jesus is everything. (laughs) What if it all goes back to the simple song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, maybe... E. Stanley Jones said that. Oh, actually, it wasn't him, but he was interviewing a guy who had been in ministry and walked with the Lord all those years. He said, what's the greatest revelation you ever had? Great theologian. He said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's the greatest truth there is. Jesus is everything. I wrote a song several years ago called The Prize, and the first line says, when I look into your eyes, I see my prize. It was you all along, but I never realized. That's what religion will never let you see. And will you do me a favor? Will you change your mindset today 
Will you let the Lord work in you this, this possibility, I'm about to say, that when you invite people to Christ, uh, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's uh, someone you're discipling, maybe it's someone you're simply witnessing to or sharing the good news with, will you do this for me? Will you invite them to Christ for the sake of Christ and nothing else? Will he make their marriage better? Sure he will. If they're willing to participate, will he, you know, they got a car that's broken down. You know what I mean? People look for God in their time of need and we make the mistake of promising them all these other things he'll do for them. Benefits of Jesus. I'm telling you, Jesus is worth more than anything they'd ever ask him for. We should invite people to Christ for the sake of Christ. Jesus is better than anything you want from Him or you'll ever ask Him for. Can I get an amen on that? Will you, will you do, the, do me that favor that now from now on when you are visiting with someone, maybe it's a family member that's down and out. They're struggling. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's depression. Invite them to Christ for the sake of knowing Christ because He is the prize. And he is worth more than any of the benefits we could promise anyone. Are there benefits? Absolutely, there are. But if he never did another thing for any of us, isn't he enough? Amen. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Paul knew it. Philippians 3, verse 7 in the New Living Translation. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless. When compared with the infinite value of what? Knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I've discarded everything else. I count it all as garbage so that I can gain Christ, verse 9, and become one with Him. There it is. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith in Him. Verse 10, I want to know Christ and I want to what? Experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him sharing in his death. The word know here in verse 10 is gnosko. It's an experiential knowing. It's a personal and intimate union with the living God. Same as John 17, 3. Look at 1 John 5, 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may gnosko him, that we may know him who is true. And we are in him. Who is true? Look at that. We are where? We are in Him who is true. You're in union with Him. There's nothing to work for here. Only that which to work from. Only that which to walk and talk with Him on a daily basis. And and here's a novel idea. Just do what He asks you to do. (laughs) Remember his mom Mary at the wedding at Cana? Whatever he says do, do that. Flash of brilliance. That's your Christian walk. Whatever he says do, do it. Don't even pluck scriptures out and just go perform them on on your own hoping that he likes what you did. Don't do that. You're still leading yourself. You're attaching a scripture to it. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, the indwelling Spirit, these are the sons of God. That we may know Him as true and we are in Him as true and His Son, Jesus Christ. We are in Him. This is the true God and this is eternal life. Does that sound familiar? John 17, 3. Gretchen read it earlier. We're going to read it here in just a second. This is eternal life, Jesus said, to, want, to know the one and only true God 
And Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent, that word is gnosko. So I submit to you this morning, Jesus Christ is the Christian life. He's the journey. He's the destination. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's everything in between. He's the first. He's the last. It is Christ. Amen. It is Christ. And it's so easy. We get so distracted, don't we? Because we hear this. We're like, yes, that's true. That's absolutely right. Good preaching, little preacher. You're right on the money today. We walk out the door and forget all about it. (laughs) We get distracted and we want to control all the outcomes of our relationship with Jesus. Well, you know, maybe if I pray this way, my child will will behave. I'm going to start praying. Hey, if he instructs you to pray for your child, that sounds very biblical and reasonable. Do that. But you got to trust the outcomes to him. You're not praying for a certain outcome so you can have joy. He's your joy. Your participation with his union leading you to pray for them is the blessing. Amen. I'm not praying for my child, Matt. I'm, I'm engaging in my union with Christ. That's what I'm doing. I'm not witnessing. I'm engaging in my life union with Jesus Christ. I'm not discipling. I'm engaging in my union, my intimacy with Christ. These things are just coming out as byproducts. Aren't you glad all that holiness and holy living and all those holy works, they're not the basis of your relationship with Jesus. They're the byproduct of it. They're the byproduct of you living in union. Let's just simplify it. Live in union with Him. Recognize the privilege that He died for you. He shed His blood for you. He saved you. And He's invited you to follow Him. Come and follow me. And remember, He said, nothing nothing else is worth me. Nothing else. Doesn't apologize for that. Come and follow, then what? Come and die. Come and die with me. But is death to the flesh really good for us? It is. Even in your dying, you're living. Amen. It is the way. He says, come and follow. And he says, come and die. Let's put away the deeds of the flesh and I'll make you more like me. And then he says, let's be friends. And everything the Father's shown me, I'll pour it into you. I'll confide in you. And what he dreams for this world, we'll dream of and participate in together. And then lastly, he'll say, hey, let's disciple others. Let's walk with some. Help me to connect with them. These are the things he asks us to do. But again, we we get tempted to be distracted and start controlling all the outcomes of our life. Can I remind you of a scripture? Some sow, some water. Only God gives the increase. Your prize is Christ. Your destiny is Christ. Your journey is Christ. Amen. So my union with Jesus is my fuel and my motive in anything that's produced. When I'm praying, what am I really doing? Enjoying my union with Christ and letting Him lead me in whatever way He wants to pray. When I worship, worship is just a byproduct of my life union with Jesus Christ. I'm enjoying Him, and now worship's coming out of it. As Don and I were talking this week, uh, I'm just emoting. Emotions come out of the word emote. So you ever seen anybody just as the presence of the Lord is here, kind of 
lift their hands, smile. Maybe the countenance of love or joy comes upon their face. What are they doing? They're emoting. They're responding to the life union of Christ that's on the inside of them, the life of Jesus. And doesn't he look good on us? You look better than you really are <laughs> when Christ is, is manifesting through you. It's true. If the glory of the old covenant was so great, Moses had to veil his face. How beautiful is the glory of the Lord in the new covenant on you and me? Our problem is we don't, we don't see him. We get distracted. We're not looking at him. But when people see him, you don't have to teach them outward observances to worship. They will emote in response to the life union of Christ. They'll lift their hands. They may dance. They may kneel. All these are expressions in the Bible of worship and praise. Christians, well, humans, have to be taught not to worship. You have to go to church and have somebody say, we don't do that. (laughs) That's too much. Too much emoting. Really? Is it? (laughs) Too much emoting. In my giving, what am I doing? I'm participating with the life union of Christ. He's my reward. I'm not putting money in the cheerful giver's box so I can get a whole bunch of money back. He's my prize. He's my blessing. Took me years to figure that out in the charismatic faith movement. Because all they ever promised me was fleshly reward. And so my giving was all self-centered. It was all for me so I could have more stuff. So I didn't realize if I have him, I'm blessed. I have the provider living in me. I'm not going outside of him for provision. (laughs) Certainly to my own performance. Let me perform in such a way I can get myself blessed. No, let me participate with the life union of Christ, my provider who's inside of me, and I'll sow and I'll give and do whatever he wants to because it's his money. And he'll be my reward. He's my blessing. Amen, somebody. So when you talk to people about the Lord, when you invite them to come and follow, when you disciple them or you witness to someone or you share life with someone, will you please invite them to Christ for the sake of knowing Christ? Amen. Man's too great a creation to be satisfied by anything but him. Man, I I put this in the Reformations in prayer book. He said, Steve, you're a pastor. Why would you teach people to pray in order to get blessings? I am worth more than any blessing they could ever receive in the natural realm. They're too great a creation to be satisfied by, quote, blessings. They can only be satisfied by me. Why would you teach people to use prayer to get stuff? Do we not want humans to find satisfaction? We do. Why do people use drugs? I mean, bottom line is people want to feel good. You can rail on them all you want in their addiction, but it started because they wanted to feel better. That's how it began. Only he can satisfy So we got to get them to the most high. Amen. So let me say this. It starts with us. Am I making us? Let me say, starts with us and Jesus. Am I making that clear? It's really about him. It's about your intimacy with him, your union with him. Uh, Everything we're going to do is centered on him. But everybody say, but it doesn't just end. 
with us and him. Let's look at John 17, 3. I have read this chapter. I love this chapter. And I've never realized how much of this is about making disciples. I never realized it. I always camped on verse 3, rightly so, because I'm a lover, not a fighter. So, <laughs> so I want to be in love relationship with Jesus all the time. But I'm going to show you something out of here. He says, this is eternal life. We've talked about that, that they may know you. That's gnosko. The only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Okay, not educationally, informationally, personally, experientially, relationally know you. That is Christianity. I've glorified you on the earth. Look at this. I finished the work which you gave me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Did he make himself out to be God? Yes, he did. He did, and they killed him for it. He is not a religious figure. He is God. He is the one true God, the only God in the flesh. Jesus, do not compete with other religions and talk Jesus. He is God. Verse 6, I've manifested your name, look at this, to the men whom you've given me out of the world. He says that several times in this in this chapter, the men that the Father's given him. He's a model of humility. He's not going around saying, man, all these men that I attracted to myself by my tremendous ministry. How many of you guys running? No, he said, you, Father, have given me. Everyone is following me. You gave them to me. They were yours. You gave them to me. And they've kept your word. I'm glad we never do that, right? And become one. Wait, did I push the wrong button? I did. There we go. It it sounded good, though. Now, Now they've known that all the things which you've given me are from you. So he's talking about he glorified the Father by doing the work the Father asked him to do. And that included investing in others. For I've given to them the words which you've given me, and they've received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they've believed that you sent me. Look at this. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those you've given me, for they are yours. There it is again. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. Now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. So, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you've given me, that they may be one as we are. Well, that's a lot of oneness right there. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those you gave me. There it is again. I have kept and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that scripture be fulfilled. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they're not of the world just as I'm not of the world. There, there you go. There's a character trait of a disciple of Jesus. We're not worldly. We're of him, not of the world. I do not pray that you would take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. There's a lot of believers right now praying that we get out of this world. But um, this is what he prayed. <laughs> I don't pray you take him out of the world. Keep him from the evil one. If the world is dark, what's Jesus? What's his MO? Put some light in it. He believes light is greater than darkness. Verse 16, they are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. And let me tack this on here. There's, who knows when Christ is coming back? Who knows that? Only the Father. Not even the Son knows. So everybody on TV telling you they know, 
wrong. Look at this. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may be sanctified by the truth. Isn't this interesting? This is so much about his investment in the disciples. I do not pray for these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. Yeah, that's us. So he's praying for you. That they'll all be one as you, Father, are in me and I'm in you, that they may be one where? One in Him. There's your union. That the world may believe that you sent me. Wow. So it's our union with Him and then our union, our oneness with each other that reveals to the world. Oh, that's all of it right there. That's as much as I have. I love that He's praying here for our oneness because... Because of our union in Christ, Cindy and I already have union. We're already one in the Spirit. But when he prays for oneness, he's praying that we would participate with our unity. You're already one with the believers and the Christ followers across the street. Like it or not. If they're in Christ, they're your brother. You're already one with them. Well, how how come churches don't get along? Because they don't practice oneness. We're not trying to make it happen. He already did it. We're trying to live in the reality of it. My goodness. So I say all that to say we aren't just called to know the Lord. We don't just exist to know the Lord, but we want to help connect Him to other people by preaching Christ. One of his assignments Jesus had besides bringing the kingdom, destroying the works of the devil, initiating a new covenant was to make disciples or what I would call multiply his life. I would also call it advance God's kingdom one heart at a time because his kingdom is in the spirit. The spirit is the life of God. That's what we want reproduced in every human being. That is the vision of Grace Church. That is our heart's desire. Every human being on this planet needs the life of Christ on the inside of them. That's what we want. We want His life multiplied. Amen? Amen. So we want to participate with that multiplication. So you're not just called to know Him. Walk with Him. Intimacy. You're also called to help make Him known that his life gets multiplied. And we see that here in John 17. But let me say again, don't run out ahead of him and go produce something on your own. All you're doing when you're investing and loving others for the purpose of Christ, for the sake of Christ, all you're doing is participating with your life union with him. It's just a byproduct that his words are coming out of you. His love is coming out of you for that person. See, the problem is if you get into the production metric, I've got to get people saved. I've got to have so many people saved. I've got to have so many people in church. Or I need to disciple this many people. When you get into that, you start using people for your own pride, for your own uh, metric of success. Yeah, that will preach. And what he wants to do, what he wants to do is he wants you to genuinely love that person just like he loves them. And the moment that we start garnering people as trophies, we're not loving them well. Does that make sense to you? 
And I learned it through, like I said, evangelism explosion. Where we had this metric. We had numbers we had to actually reach to be labeled a success. And so we didn't care about the people we were witnessing to. We just wanted them to sign the card. <laughs> I know, Larry, you don't want to hear anything I have to say, but would you sign this? Because when I go back, <laughs> that's right. Will you leave if I sign this? <laughs> you see what we did? God forgive us. Amen. Okay, what do you do? Just participate with your union because he loves them. And he loves them more than what they'll ever do for him. Think of that. My good buddy, Dwayne Sheriff, told the story a few months ago. How many of you know Dwayne almost died over a year ago? He had a massive heart attack. Did you guys know that, Pastor Dwayne Sheriff? He almost died. And uh, he had how many? Five bypasses. What's that called? Quintuple. Yeah, it's a bunch. <laughs> he had a quintuple bypass. And while he was, uh, you know, dead on the table or whatever was going on, he uh, went to heaven and encountered Jesus. And Jesus, he said he was so loving. He never brought up one bad thing I'd ever done. He never brought up any of my past. He, he, we had this incredible exchange. And Jesus asked me, he said, do you want to go back or you want to stay here with me? And he's like, well, I'm leaning towards staying here with you. And, but he asked Jesus this question. He said, am I done? Did I do everything you wanted me to do or, you know, ful- yeah, fulfill my assignment? And the Lord said, no, not quite done. And he said, then, then I'll go back. But when I heard that church, I cried and cried probably for an hour because that's the Jesus I know. There was nothing to be held over Dwayne's head. There was nothing but love and grace and compassion and, uh, Nothing, nothing works based, no production metric. Dwayne, I wish you'd have done this. Should have discipled more, should have witnessed more, should have done this, should have loved your wife better, should have. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to say that, but I held it. <laughs> uh, that's him. And I hope that, I hope that pricks your heart that he's the prize. He's everything. And we will love well. And we will disciple well. And we'll witness well. We'll share, we'll share our faith and we'll serve. Amen. We'll serve. That's what I love about how we do outreaches around here. We do them no strings attached. We just want to love you well. We'll serve you. doesn't matter if you ever come to church here. It doesn't matter if you give us any money for washing your car or giving you free pizza or whatever it is we might be doing. We learn that from Him. We learn to love whether we get anything back or not because He's the prize. Will you stand with me? He is the prize. Every head bowed and every eye closed here this morning. Lord's inviting us to intimacy again. He's inviting us to the acknowledgement that He is the prize. He is the blessing.
Father, I pray for hearts and souls and minds all over this room and those worshiping online. If we get the first thing wrong, everything that will come out of it will be wrong. But if we can center on you, if we can give our heart to you and know that you're enough and that you're worth more than any of the benefits that we derive from you. I'm reminded, Lord, of your simple prayer on earth as it is in heaven. We want to know you, Lord. By experience, that that person that met Dwayne there in heaven, your countenance, your demeanor, the exchange of love in your heart, we want to know you. And I pray right now, I'm just going to tarry in the Holy Spirit, so I ask churches be praying with me. Let's connect with him. Father, if they don't know you, I pray that they would let you in. They would consent to the new birth today. That they'd simply invite you, Jesus, come and live in my heart. Come and be my life. Be my expression. And Lord, those that already know you, but Lord, like me, get distracted. Like me, get moved off center. Lord, we come home to you. You're worth everything. Father, I thank you for our mindset shift that we're not interested in using people. But anybody, Lord, that we witness to, anybody we share scripture with, anybody we disciple, Lord, we want to invite them to Christ for the sake of Christ, for the sake of knowing you. You are the prize. May we be ever reminded. May we choose on a daily basis to abide in you, to live out the reality of our our union. As you taught in John 15, the byproduct of any union is fruit. It's produce. The byproduct of any receptivity is productivity. been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.